but to an excess becomes obsession and becomes you're not paying attention to your kids, you're not paying attention to your partner across the table, you're not paying attention to yourself. Hi everyone, I'm Hetty Holmes and you're listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose, a podcast that explores what makes us feel good to improve our mental, physical, spiritual and emotional well-being. Whether it's a dopamine hit from reaching a career goal, a rush of oxytocin from spending time with loved ones, a surge of serotonin from practicing self-care or a fitness class to send endorphins soaring, everyone's definition of what makes us feel good is very different. My next guest, Antoinette Raymond, an organizational psychologist and behavioral scientist at Seika Lind and Company, who influential CEOs have on speed dial is here to tell me about hers. Antoinette, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure to finally get you on. Obviously, you are I'm very excited. You're a career guru. Oh, right. Um, okay. And a, and a coach. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit about how you how you got into this field. So it's you asked me to think about that, and I um, laughed when I went back into my memory. Um, it was going to be either being an attorney or a doctor, and I. Thought attorney, fine. And so in doing that, I started to study psychology and business just kind of to get to law school. Yeah. And as I was studying them both, I um, went to my professor and said, do you know they really relate, you know, business and psychology? And he said, yes, it's a field of study called industrial organizational psychology. And I thought, oh, yes, I'll have some of that. Mm. And I literally started right then and just jumped into it, um, got a degree in it, got my doctorate in it. And Love it. Have always loved it. And what what's like a typical week for you with working with your clients? Like what kind of strategies Ooh, do you implement? Typical week. Um, I work some with individuals and I'm uh, as their um, executive strategist or their coach, all the way to working with organizations and their leaders and figuring out how we implement and um, do strategy into the organization. So um, actually getting things accepted and um, moving them forward through the the people, yeah. that people side. Yeah. And it's amazing because uh, your career, you spend so much time at work. It's, it's an incredible facet for your happiness. And, you know, how, how important do you think drive is to people? Everything. Mm. I think, um, well, we all know what it feels like when you don't have drive. Mm. And I think it, it drive... So it's the passion, isn't it? Mm. It's if you're in fact doing, if you're lucky enough to do what you love, mm. then a lot of that motivation comes from inside. And even though I love what I do, today was a hard day. Like I was exhausted. I was running from meeting to meeting, person to person. But it's okay because I know at the end of the day what I'm doing is something that I think I, um, I know is good, I believe in. Even if you don't love your job and it's just a job mm. but you're clear about your priorities and you know what that job does for you it allows good holidays it allows um you to buy the things you want or to live the life you want y you need that drive to mm. then succeed and accomplish all the different things mm. it can be dangerous when you don't have that passion right it can be kind of you can go to work and not feel satisfied you spend a lot of time there you know a typical nine to five that's kind of a large it's proportion. a lot of time it's yeah. a lot of time yeah it is dangerous yeah i would say it's dangerous because you only have one life you're never going to be on your deathbed going damn i missed that meeting oh mm. you're not going to do that so it's got to fit into what's important to you um Overall, mm. what would you say to people that are in a kind of bit of a toxic work situation, but they want to keep going because they just, I guess they they they're not brave enough to take that step and, and that risk. I I think the word you said is absolutely correct. It's the brave. Um, 
And it is hard because a lot of us don't have the luxury. It's, I have a job. I need to pay mortgages. I need to pay for food. Um, but it will get to you. It will exhaust you. It will um, cause you to behave in ways. In fact, that's probably one of the biggest problems is you put into situations that are toxic. It brings out the worst behavior in you. And then impacts your reputation, et cetera, et cetera. Your performance reviews then impact your bonus or your salary. I think it takes a brave person to stop and ask questions, seek help, talk to someone else, um, talk to someone who you who can be a sounding board, who you can say, listen, here's what's going on. What do you think? And just hearing someone else say it. Because it might be that you're maybe making a mountain out of a molehill. And sometimes a good friend or a good colleague or someone you trust can tell you that, you know, this is kind of you being this way Mm. versus someone looking at you with shocked eyes going, "Uh, no, (laughs) you shouldn't be having to deal with that. Mm. And I think that that's what's important. I think you need to make sure you ask that brave question and you make sure you're in an environment that brings the best out of you. Mm, Because everyone's got completely different energies, haven't they? I mean, my business partner and I are very different in a lot of ways. (laughs) Yes, you are. You know, she's very yang. I'm quite yin. (laughs) But, you know, we balance each other out. Completely. You need that in your career, don't you? Completely. And having that department around you that understands you and allows you to kind of reach that potential in yourself is huge. And, and, you know, you don't want to be with people. You do. You want to be. It's comfortable to be with people who are like you. Mm. Okay? It just is. I, I mean, you don't have to look at each other. I know what my sister's thinking. I know exactly in a situation what she would say. Or you do those kind of things. But it is also wonderful to have people who you're not alike. Mm. And it's it's both a style issue, but it's also what the workplace lets you get to do, be creative and try different things out. And if you if that magic happens and you like the people you work with and you get to achieve what you want to achieve, then it's cool. Mm. Then it's better. That's when the magic happens. Yeah, that's when the magic happens. And thinking about your business partner, mm. I mean, this, he's your husband, right? He's my husband. How, how does that work? Do you never want to just kill him sometimes? Oh, wow. Not on a podcast. We're not going to go down <laughs> that path. Um, everybody asks. Everybody asks. There's no, how can you work with your husband? We started that way. We started as work colleagues mm. and then fell in love. Um, no, we we do really well together. It, the, the funny thing is we're a lot alike and we're a lot different. So he's extreme. A lot of our fundamental ideologies, our models, our belief systems are identical. We're very aligned. We have completely different styles. He's an incredibly fabulous, quintessential English gentleman. Mm. I am not that. Um, the loud American... Um, from a different culture, absolutely Southern California with Spanish and Filipino background. I mean, y- you can't get more of a mix. But because of that, we work. Mm. And it's fun. And what is your typical process involved? Like, do you kind of handle presentations together or do you tackle your client briefs differently? We Well, we're, we're not. It's expensive to have us work on something together. Right. It just is. We used to do more of that. And, but the smart clients, and now I'm probably giving it away, the smart clients know that if you hire one of us, you get both mm. because we constantly riff off each other. We're constantly checking each other's um, work or checking each other's thought process or checking each other's design ideas. So it works because we're constantly um, supporting each other. Mm. 
Well, we get along, and yes, I want to kill him. I just gave you an example earlier today yeah. where a text read wrong. Yeah, exactly. Isn't good. It could be interpreted in many different ways. Exactly. So let's backtrack a little bit because mm. we were talking about dopamine fasting earlier, which is this kind ah. of big, big trend in Silicon Valley, which yes. essentially is a detox of the mind. Is yes. that right? Obviously, it's trendy because it's a word we haven't really heard before. Um, but is this something that you're seeing with your clients that they're kind of reaching that burnout phase and, and you're needing to kind of put processes in place to help them de-stress and unwind so that they can be more productive in the workplace? I think it's not, I don't know if I've seen it grow more or if it's more, red, um, re, what's the word I want to say, prevalent now. Um, it's just we have different tools. Mm. So now it's the, it's not just checking emails. It's now on your phone checking emails. Mm. It used to be people were just on their computers a lot yeah. or people were um, at work a lot. Mm. But now you can do it at home but still be at work. Mm. I think I, I did look up the, um, what do we call it? Dopamine fasting. Dopamine fasting, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I had to look, I had to ask the neuroscience people oh, what's no, going good. on. Well, because it's the scientist in me that's going to yeah. make sure it's not just a, a, a fad that I um, am missing. Mm. But in fact, it, and it's supported, it, it basically, you need dopamine. We were talking about this earlier. You mm. need dopamine to s- move forward, to do things. But is it always a good time to relax, to to kind of rest your body in different ways. I think mm-hmm. that's what that's about. Um, one of the articles I read about it was actually probably most impressive in that it said, if there's any addictive behavior you have or any behavior that you don't think is very um, supportive to your lifestyle, not only should you take a break from it, potentially, mm-hmm. and, you know, short breaks or whatever, just like anything, you, t- you need to sleep, you need to take um, a mind break at times, but it's a, just as important to reduce the cues Mm-hmm. that caused the dopamine surge that part is part of the problem. So you may not be looking at your phone, but you hear the vibration go. You hear a ping. You see the light go on. And that immediately, you could have been resting for, uh, you know, 24 hours, but you hear that and it immediately comes rushing back. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about ensuring you take a break from some of the cues. So yeah. put your phone away. I give my daughter my phone in the car so I don't even think about texting. Now she's going to laugh and say you don't do it enough. But it, that's how you take – that's how you ch- create some space so that you're not constantly obsessed with it. Mm. That's more sustainable to follow as well, isn't it, rather than going on some big old detox? Because when they say dopamine fasting, it's not just from technology. It's from like – any pleasure-seeking activity, which When includes... I looked it up, I hadn't realized it meant no sex, yeah. no exercise, no looking at anybody's eyes. I'm sorry, I started laughing. No, it's like becoming a monk. Well, and, and, and to get to a level that actually neuroscientists are saying are, is dangerous. Yeah. Like, you can't do that, but you can always have balance. Yeah. And you and I were speaking earlier about that. I mean, it's like anything, any diet, any way of eating, anything to any strength to an excess. Yeah. There's always a weakness. Yeah. And that's what I think everybody just has to know for themselves what that strength is, something that's good. I mean, we love our phones. We love getting, being able to work at home or work quietly in a coffee shop and know you're still connected. But to an excess becomes obsession and becomes, you're not paying attention to your kids. You're not paying attention to your partner across the table. Mm. You're not paying attention to yourself. Mm. No, you're right to say to recognize the triggers because it's only from me just understanding it a little, lot more that I can do it. So like when I have my work sessions, I kind of mm. go in, my family call it like you're going to the matrix because you just like it's 
you're, nobody's home. You just you're in, and sometimes I forget to come out. I forget to eat sometimes, and that's never happened. And, yeah, I well, love that. And then you know, blanking out family members or whatever. You know, life just can go by. Suddenly, it's like six hours, and you've just you kind of emerge from your from your zone, and it's amazing. But at the same time, I could feel myself getting all kind of heated and like you know, just it's a very, very creative time. But at the same time, it, yeah, it's a little destructive for people around you. Well, and it, exactly, it's imbalance, and um. I love getting into the zone. Yeah. But that's um, the, there's a thrill in it, too. There's a thrill in it. And I and there's certain times that it's really good for me to be in that zone. But like anything, if that's all I have, mm -hmm. then life's not so great. You need a little oxytocin. Well, exactly. I need a little <laughs> oxytocin. I need a little something else. But I just, yeah, you have to know and actually kind of limit it and just treat it like it's a meeting. Mm. Like I give myself, you know, probably two and a half hours is my good time. Because other than that, I could lose the whole day, but it's a good chunk of I'm really trying to come up with something creative. It's maybe longer, a little bit, four hours. Um, but then you also have to know your body and when's the best time to do it mm. or else you're just wasting some of that time. Yeah. So do you think some of these symptoms of stress and burnout could be prevented if we just took a little step back and imp implemented some self-care strategies, you know, whether it's just, I don't know, sleeping a bit more, doing some meditation or? But knowing what it is you need to do. Mm. to get yourself back in balance. So mm. it could be self-care. It could be all of those things. Maybe you're too self-care and you need to stimulate your brain some more. But mm. I, do, I think it's always a good idea to just take a step back mm. and assess, you know, am I am I good? Am mm. I balanced? Not balanced. There's never that. Am I hitting my priorities? Mm. So um, I, I was saying to you earlier, I have three main type of um, principles that guide me. Mm. And so when I'm helping my clients, they anybody who works with me knows these are my three things. Um, one is the power and beauty of aging. I, I'm doing a lot of research on what that means, that there's power and beauty in all ages, but really to know what that is and to give yourself permission for that. Um, the second one is I'm a strong believer in clarity and focus releases potential. Mm. With If you're clear and you're focused, you are better able to do what you need to do. Um, the third thing is I'm constantly balancing the psychology of disruption and discipline. Life is that. Mm. You disrupt and then you try to figure out how to discipline around it again. And then there's another change and you figure that out and you manage through it. Then you figure out how to manage that next level and, and maintain some discipline. Mm. And to me, it's constantly back and forth. So between those three things, I pretty much can <laughs> work with all my clients on both personal and professional issues. Because mm. it is like work-life balance must be a thing that comes up quite a lot. All like the time. How to be as productive as possible in the workplace, yeah. but also you know maintaining a good, healthy, balanced approach to your family life. Exactly. So what kind of things do you put in place for them or some, some of the teachings that you could maybe tell us a little bit? Um, I think one of the most important ones for me and people who've worked with me know that I do this, and it's about the clarity and focus piece, you can only do so much. And this, I, this is, okay, I'm going to kind of do more women kind of issues here, but it's, it works with men as well. But oh, we have different stakeholders in our life. We have different people who are pulling at us or who are, we're loving to give to. But there's a, there's a set pool. So if you put yourself in the middle, I'm a big mind map person. So if you put your name in the middle and you have Hetty and then you, you start doing spokes off of that. And you have mother, wife, daughter, sister, um, colleague, work, you know, partner with Shara, mm. um, community friends, um, you, 
<laughs> I always forget that one. Yeah. For me. Um, there are different people who are in stake for you, right? Mm. And the honest truth is to really do any of them to the degree we all want to do them, you really can only focus or put as a priority probably three. Mm. You've got to pick the three that given everything else, if those three weren't met in the manner with which you want to meet them, Mm. you wouldn't feel successful. So everybody says, how do you define success? That's how you define success. It's mm. those three things. Those, do you ever let go of the others? Oh, God, no. no you're always going to. They're spinning, but they're they're there. not the focus right, right the, now. the balls are there, right? Yeah. But, you know, it's why when you juggle, you start with three. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, your magic true. number. And then you can add things, but then you're kind of like holding your breath, Puzzled. right? <laughs> <laughs> but the three, so an example for me. When my daughter, we, we brought my daughter back to the, um, to the States for her primary school. So we, we raised my stepsons here and in London. And then when my daughter was ready to start primary school, I wanted her to have what I had growing up. And I have, I had Sunshine. It's from San Diego. But I also have a family the size of Texas. I mean, they're just amazing. And it's like drinking from a fire hose sometimes, but they're mm -hmm. amazing. And I wanted her to have that kind of a community. But in doing that, I was taking my husband now to a different kind of world. And we really made clear that for me, and it was, you know, it was me raising my daughter. I wanted to have certain things for her. So my three priorities in that time were her as a mom. So me as a mom, my family, because we were going to be in San Diego. And I, I wanted to really feel like I had spent a good time with them. And I helped build my family and developed and developed with them and help them develop. And also community. Mm. I grew up there, so I knew the infrastructure. I knew I could join different nonprofits, get on the boards of those that were important to me. Those are my three. Mm. Now, if you notice, I didn't pick my husband, mm -hmm. but I did not pick him. He knew those were our three. So for an example, you make choices based on that. So he and I, did we do enough date nights? No, because chances are if one of my aunties had cooked too much food, we'd forego a date night and always join the family. Right. I chose to do if I'm going to leave my daughter, it was for board of director work in the charity that I believed in. And in fact, I brought her to as many of those events as I could. In fact, my whole family. Mm -hmm. Again, I really focused on those three, knowing that we had made a decision that when we came back to London for her secondary school, my focus on the three were going to be always mommy. Sorry. It's just it always is circled, but also him. So I circled him being a wife. Mm. And then I circled professional because I was ready to pick back up my career. I always did work. I yeah. was still working. I just didn't focus on it like I had in those in the past. Mm. And why I was able to do it, and I'm having the best time doing those three right now, is because I know, tick, I did those other ones. Mm. And I did them beautifully. And I did them well and enjoyed them. But now my focus is here. So even though right now, if you ask me today how I'm doing, the answer is I feel like my cup is running over because <laughs> um, it's almost the holidays. I am okay. Yeah. Because I know my three priorities. If I, in my worst time on the tube when people are pushing me, I'm cool. Yeah. My three things are still happening. I think that's great and really realistic too. I, w I was in a podcast with um, the former CEO of SoulCycle who explained it in a similar way. She had like a pie chart and she said she like... I, you know, I listened I, to that one. Yeah. I love that. And and I think that's better to actually, you know, focus on, on that, that section of the pie, whatever 
whatever section you're in, dedicate yourself fully rather than all this juggling malarkey which people do, which I've been guilty of. It's, oh, and we all you are. You try and do too much. I still, I'm, my mom, I'm, my mom lives with us as well as bo- both countries. And I'm always going to be the daughter. And then when my sister needs me, at a drop of a hat. Mm. I mean, we never let go of those. Mm. But to be honest, my friends, let's say back in when she was in primary school when I was in San Diego, my friends were amazing because if I said I had a family event, no one questioned that. Mm. Like they knew that was my priority. And then I would make time for them. Of course I'd make time for them. But I couldn't do it that day because my niece's soccer game was happening and I committed to that. Mm. So you just – it just – it just allows you to make decisions in a manner that at least at the end of the day, you're you're okay. Yeah. You're feeling like, yeah, that was a good day. Yeah. Or, yeah, I'm doing the right thing, even mm. though I'm exhausted. And how about planning, well, planning a family or getting pregnant, mm. you know, at the peak of your career? <laughs> this is kind of a common thing people are oh, yeah. seeing in their 30s, late 20s. How how can women navigate this? Because it's it's that awful conversation you have to have with your boss when you have to kind of break the news. Because mm. you're you're obviously so happy for yourself and your family, but at the same time you're scared that things at work Absolutely. are going to change. You're going to let people down, or just uncertainty most of the time. Oh, it's hor- It's a, it's a very difficult thing, and um, but one I think we need to talk about more just to make sure the the you feel the woman going through it feels supported. Mm. Um, I think prior to getting pregnant, one of the things I work with, because uh, I work with a lot of young women who are amazing in their um, strength and in their careers, but always when they're asking which job should I take or what what opportunities should I pursue, everything I say is anything you do, please make sure you have more choices at the end of it. Is what you're going to do going to give you more choices later? So for example... I got a doctorate because one of the choices I wanted was if I had a family and I wanted to teach at a university, I didn't want anyone to tell me I didn't have what it took to do that. So that was a choice. So it was horrifically exhausting and stressful and everything that a doctor can be. However, it was going to give me more choices later, and it has. Mm. Um, Because when you cocoon and do what you need to do to bring this child into this world, you want to know when you come out of it, you have more choices and any choice is your choice. There's no right or wrong. Um, you can say, I'm going to work when I, after I have the baby and then change your mind. Mm. Or you might think, no, I really want to stay home and just, you know, that's my job. And it's like, yeah, no, I need I need to work. Mm. Either way, the conversation needs to be had about what is it you think you want to do and how are you going to get out of there. But you, it's better if you have choices, which mm. sounds trite, but it's true. Mm. Um, and you have to have all the data. So I'm a big data hound. You need to know what your organization supports, how much leave, how supportive are they really. So ask other moms, Mm. you know, how is it for you? That's another thing to go to trusted sources. How have you done it? Mm. How have you managed and navigated through these waters? I mean, all of us, you have babies. Women are the ones who have the babies. Mm. So find out what you can so you can make the best choice for yourself. But it's not easy. No. It's not easy. Especially when you're not sleeping as well. And and that that never really changes, so I hear. Well, maybe when they're like 18, but... No, she, okay, it depends on your kids. See, this yeah. is where I have to be careful. Bella was a good sleeper, so Aww. I know I have to be careful. But yeah, no, no, and you're exhausted or they're sick. Yeah. And like, honestly, that meeting the next morning really doesn't matter, but it does matter. Mm. But at the same time, all you care about is you have a, you know, a child at home with a fever. Mm. And are they okay? Is it spiking? And it, it's a balance. It's very hard. I think the thing that was so fun for me, um, I loved being pregnant. I couldn't get pregnant, and it was very hard to have her. But the, during the pregnancy, 
I have never loved my body as much as I did then. Mm. And that just, for a person who grew up in Southern California, that's like, that was the most freeing. That and yoga. Mm. (laughs) Those two are those two things that just, like, my body's cool. Mm, Powerful. Powerful. And just look at it. Wow. Go, body, go. At the same time, and without the self-hate that I would tend to put myself through. Mm. I'm never thin enough. I'm never this enough. I'm never that enough. Mm. No, it's a powerful process. And also we were talking about, you know, the menopause later on in life mm. when we go through oh, a different set of changes. Conversation, yes. Yeah. But I mean, that, is that something that you're having to coach your clients about as well, about oh, navigating that? Because Both men and women. Some of the research in my power and beauty and aging comes from that. I, I was talking to a girlfriend last night, in fact, a couple of us, and we laughed because we said, who knew that we were going to be so needed and in demand at our age. I mean, it was not, you didn't think that. You didn't think, oh God, when I'm 56, bang on, I'm going to be badass. This is going to be great. No, that is not what you thought. You just thought, oh my God, I want to always look like this age, this younger age. Um, it's, It's an amazing thing to have this, how do I say it? This, this time in your life where you are going through the hormonal thing. So that's something I, you know, we we need to learn. I think women, more importantly, we need to know more. So it's not this horrible thing that we're going to ha- that's going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. But it's about how do we manage through it. There was I was what I was telling you about earlier was the um, there was a Financial Times article that I loved, and I'm going to paraphrase it badly because I'm going to take the be- the bits I liked. Um, but it was saying, wow, there's a lot of women, older women in the workforce now at very senior levels. I mean, you know, when I'm saying older, we're talking what 50 plus because mm. that, that for some reason that's how they define older I laughed um but the the very superficial way they described it was two things at at our age at my age I am post reproduction I'm post reproductive and I'm post quote the feels now they didn't use the word the feels but I was I, that's how I read into it number one post reproductive yeah we don't I'm no longer at that um time in my life where I have to make sure I, in fact, can procreate and attract, you know, the opposite sex in order to have my child so that I my purpose in this world is fulfilled. Mm. Um, done. Shop's closed. Like, it's great. <laughs> we're the at that place and we're done. So we're post-reproductive. But the second is the beauty, the gift that comes with getting older is you honestly care less. And it's so fun. So you're post the feels. Mm. You're just, yeah, I'm no drama zone right here. So freeing. Oh, my gosh. So you've got <laughs> post-reproduction, post the feels, and you've, and you've got this time and energy to, to achieve. Mm. We're smart. We've had many years of experience. And it's an amazing time to now be in an organization or in a running a, a, a charity or whatever the the topic is, but you're in a different place that's exciting and powerful and successful. I mean, you, you, you know what it takes to achieve. You know what it takes to get an outcome. And you still have all those other fabulous things in your life, your family, your friends, your spouse, if that's what you have, and or your partner, um, your community, your friends. Mm. So it's just, it's, a, it's such a cool time. But there's a lack of education, isn't there, around the menopause and all oh these gosh. shifts that are coming up. And I know people listening in their 20s and 30s might think, oh, I'm too far away from that. It's uh, not in my periphery at all. Exactly. But it's something that we need to learn about now. Well, we do. Well, do we? I mean, we do need to learn about it now. But you didn't think about all the pregnancy stuff until it was time to get True. pregnant. So I think the thing I want, more importantly, is not only that we know more, 
Because well, you should just know more. There should be just good data. There shouldn't be stigma around well, it. No, well, that's the thing I'm going to get at. It's we all get excited. Well, you don't get excited to get your period, but you know it's coming. Mm. And you're, you're a grown-up then or you're more mature. Babies. Well, that's an exciting thing mostly, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, that's something that's exciting. Menopause. What about that mm. has ever been positively spun? Nothing. Mm. You're just turning into a crone. I mean, it's this horrible, mm. horrible thing. It's, it got me to do research, in fact, on... Um, the new female archetypes. So that's another whole another discussion. But it's like there was what? The mother, the Madonna, the – what is it? The Madonna, the crone, and the sexy woman, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I put 12 now because there are so many personas we have and so many archetypes. But more importantly, I mean, it's still the M word. You know, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. You can't talk – and for, just say it out loud in, a, in front of guys and they just want to leave. Like It's like mm-hmm. saying, please, will you buy me tampons? Yeah. I mean, it's that same thing, but even worse because now – because there's so much more stigma to that. Growing old is so not okay. But people just think it's kind of hot flushes, being a bit cranky. But, I mean, Ooh. your hormonal makeup is changing. Everything. Your body changes. Um Everything, a lot of things change. Your skin changes. I mean, everything. It's hormones would do that to us. Yeah, and 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 that's just fact. That's just stuff that happens. But I think it's so important that we reframe it. Mm. Right? We reframe how amazing it is to be older, and how yes, you have to go through some of the crap stuff. But like you do that with pregnancy. But there's the beauty of like with pregnancy, you have a child after, or you hope. But with menopause, you have this different sense of self, potentially. It's like a rite of passage, isn't it? It's a big rite of passage. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one we need to embrace. And it has looked different. I mean, come on, be fair. My When I was younger, I mean, 56, good God. I mean, that's old. And my mom at 56, God, she was already so old. I'm hoping my daughter doesn't think of me that way. And we laugh because when we're all together and you take different spin classes or you do different workout, and I say my age, people are like, no way. And yes, that's nice. You do have the most amazing skin. Well, God, you know, that half Asian thing that works or the Asian thing works. But um, it's nice not to – you have to realize – it's changed. What is it? They say the, the 50s, the new 30, mm. the 60s, the new 40. I mean, whatever. But there is something to be said for that. It's just so different than how it used to be. Apparently, we're all going to live till we're 110. Which scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Coffin dodgers. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Let's talk about self-care. Sure. So sleep is fundamental to our, well, to our well-being. Um, do you talk about this a lot with your clients about kind no. of how necessary it is. No, but I should. No. No. So um, is it I'm, I'm an organizational psychologist and what I am and one of the things that, that you talked about working with my husband, the irony is I think people come to me thinking, oh, she's going to be just sensitive about stuff. Mm. So not the right one to talk to. Giles is much better about understanding and caring about stuff like that. I'm, I used to be, I'm getting better. I used to be very intolerant. I'm like, your partner, Shari, you yeah. were saying, I just bullet through. Get yeah. on with it. You got a cold? Get some tissues. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> Cough that way. Um, so no sleep. Nobody got sleep. So you didn't get any sleep. Come on. Either it was because you used to party too hard or you worked all night, whatever. No. Critical. Oh, my God. It is absolutely that thing which gives – and I know I have a lot of energy. I do know that about myself. But it is sleep, good sleep, mm. that powers me. It's, it's absolutely important. Um, so if you were talking about self-care rituals, mm. one of the things we were talking about before, my favorite self-care ritual is my getting ready for bed. 
my husband is like, are you not done yet? No, it's my time. I look in the mirror. I take my makeup off. But then, you know, I look, are there any more wrinkles? But just jokingly, but also just kind of to stop for a minute and just take care of myself mm. as I get ready for bed. Are you good with the sleep hygiene thing? Do you turn your phone off and yeah, not look at it in bed? No. That's good. No, no. I'm saying no, I'm not good at that part. (laughs) So the phone still is too close to the bed because it's my alarm. So there's my excuse right there. I read before I go to sleep and I read on my Kindle. I switch the color to black, the background. But I've trained. It is a cue for me. To know, so I know people will disagree with me, and I'm they're prob- they're absolutely right, I'm sure. But for me, I c- I literally will read for a little bit and then can turn that off and go to sleep mm. because it's a cue of a book. I know I used to love only the feel of book, but then I couldn't read at night with the light off. Mm. The Kindle allows me that. My husband can fall asleep, and I can read to my heart's content, and I know when it's time, and I just click it off, put it aside, and I'm out. Mm. Have you heard about this kind of orthosomnia thing What's about that? you're too anxious to go to sleep because of the the, the tracking um, software that we have now with like the likes of Fitbit and stuff where you can actually see your sleep score and how oh, little or, or how too hysterical. much. hysterical. I know. And I I'm so not, don't have that though. Well, I, I use a Fitbit regularly, but sometimes because obviously I'm breastfeeding still, yeah. like I, I get like five to six hours some nights and then I don't I don't want to see that the next morning. No, I don't. I don't. Data's strong. I, again, remember I said I was a, a, a data hound. Um you have to be careful with mm. data. Like, yes, it's important. So, for example, how much you walk. I mean, I think I love data. Mm. But because there's the there's the strength to an excess, you've yeah. got to be careful with data. Because, yeah, I don't want to know I slept only five hours. Because yeah. actually, it might be a really good five or six hours. Exactly. But now I'm exhausted when I found out it was only five. Yeah. I mean, it does break it down for you. It tells yeah. you, like, sleeping heart rate, which is usually very good. And then how much you spend in REM yeah. and all that time, which is brilliant. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it can give a little bit of anxiety. Do you know what? It's funny. I think you have to be careful, again, with data where if you have a problem, then it's important to know, mm. right? Because you want to make sure it gets better. Um, I think I'm going to use my excuse that I sleep pretty darn well. And so if I sleep well, why would I want to know anything? Mm. I, what I do know, my fundamental truth is I should sleep more. So the sooner I get to bed, the later I can get up always is going to be important because it's never going to be that much yeah i I don't sleep enough yeah i did a feature with a sleep psychologist and she said it's Mm. much better to go to bed earlier than sleep in because your serotonin melatonin is all produced around nine o'clock that's when it really like kicks so that's when you need to really be thinking about going to bed thank you for sharing winding down also eating cheese before bed apparently is great for producing serotonin it doesn't give you bad dreams that's a myth also i hear that makes my um Late night cheese, brie binges. My che- exactly, my brie binges. <laughs> Much better, my cheddar. With, with some Pinot Noir. Exactly. I don't think she'd allow that. No, um, so oh, let's, yes, let's talk about so diet and nutrition and how sure. fundamental that is to well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys pretty healthy at home? Is this something that you're very passionate about? Or do you like to have a bit of a healthy week and then really like indulge at the weekends? I'm going to say... I'm going to say we're balanced, Um, only because I've done the opposite in extremes. So being from Southern California, I've done every single type of fast, diet, ways of working out, all that stuff. And I I, I love trying them. I'm always curious that way. Um, My husband is an amazing cook and tends to like to do things healthier and likes to eat at home. Mm. And so because of that, we eat better. Um, He... He, he cooks, so now we've we've changed it. So our protein's a lot less, but our veg has just gone off the roof because we've really been trying to do that for my daughter. Um, but I think we're pretty balanced. I mean, 
You know, I, I like my Friday night, two glasses of wine. And do I drink probably through the week? Yeah, probably maybe a glass. But I'm, I'm very, I could be more disciplined about some things, but I'm actually, there's so much other things I need to focus on. It goes to the focus again. Yeah. My clarity of what's important to me. And sometimes if I want to have a glass of wine because a friend of mine, just because it's a Tuesday, I'm going to have a glass of wine mm-hmm. because that's important to me. Mm-hmm. I'm spending time with my husband and we're on a date night. I'm going to have a nice glass. Yeah. But, you know, I'm in check with myself. Mm. Now, would I like to, so this is an interesting hormone thing. So the one thing I found out, which I never had my entire life was as for some women, as you get older, there's this middle that shows up in your middle. I never had that. And it's a change in hormones for some people. And for me, it is. Mm. Well, that's caused my middle to be a bit bigger than it normally is. And I don't like that at all. So I'm going to look at that more, um, proactively. In fact, I've sought out a doctor to help me look at that particularly and see what I can do. Because as I get older, I don't want that to be something that I just, oh, Mm. it is. It just is. I'm not going to, I'm going to fight that one Mm. because I don't necessarily need to be as skinny as I once was, but I definitely want to be fit and attractive in my estimation. And Mm. so that's just, my body's never had that. I have no waist, so Mm. I can't have stuff on it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I have none. I have legs, but I don't have a waist. Yeah. People talk about apples and pears, don't they? Yeah. And about where you cling on to fat in different areas. Yeah. And, and sleep can actually affect it hugely. Yes, it can, which is one of the things that my doctor was just saying. So yes, yeah. I'm going to become this advocate for sleep. Yeah, wonderful. And gut health is very important as well. There's Critical. a lot of talk about Critical. that at the moment because 90% of serotonin is actually made in the gut. Absolutely. It's the second brain. Mm-hmm. So how, how important is it for you to foster that gut area? I, I had a, two things on that. One is I had an issue with a gut about two, three years ago, actually now, and I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't have any problems before. And what had happened was I had had a, some tooth issues, some teeth issues, and I've been blessed to not have a ton of them. So I didn't understand. I didn't. It was a lot. It, it mm-hmm. hurt, and there was. I had let it go too long. And then parallel to that, I started having these stomach problems. Well, I went to my dentist and to my doctor and I said, hey, guys – don't you think this has something to do with that? Because it's the only thing that's really different. I'm like, yeah, it has nothing to do with that. I went to a holistic specialist, and they're like, it's absolutely everything to do with it. What's been going on, as my dentist had said, was um, things had been seeping into my system from the infection. Mm-hmm. Well, of course it's going to go to my gut and cause an inflammation. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I addressed the inflammation mm-hmm. with different things, quercetin, and I'm going to say the wrong things. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I these fabulous help with the, these supplements. And it calmed my gut down. And then I, so the respect became there. Yeah. And then the second thing is I, um, I started doing some of that intermittent fasting. I just, I, again, I'm mm. a, I'm a fad kind of girl and I looked into that and what I took from it or what I'm taking from it is I like giving my gut a rest. Mm. So I'm, my goal is to stop eating by eight because my daughter, I, we're going to eat dinner late. It's fine. I don't want to stop there. And then I try not to eat till 10 or noon. Mm. But that works for me. I don't, I don't, I'm not a breakfast person. I am much more a eat later person. So I'm trying to do that to rest my gut. Mm. Now, what's going to help my middle and my feeling better is but by five or six o'clock, I am a ravenous person. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's when I have to hold myself in check and make sure I'm eating the right things and I'm putting good things into my body. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just balance. Yeah. We, we talked about getting in the zone earlier. Mm-hmm. I found that, you know, those those kind of five, six hours that I was talking about, I, I would fast. and I'm not really thinking about it, but that's actually because I was so in the zone. I was so yeah. fueled off creative energy. I didn't like need to eat and I kind of almost think it helped in a weird way. It gave no, me I that kind that. of that revved energy. I don't know. So my one of my times to get in the zone is in the morning first thing. So once my daughter's off to school or when I'm lucky enough to have that time, I pack up my stuff. I go into our local coffee shop and I will have a cup of coffee because that is just, yeah. I mean, that's sorry, that's breathing for me. But it's almost ritualistic for me. Mm. And I just sit and it just goes and I have the best time. My other time is late at night. So I'm fasting again. Mm. That's exactly. Um, like yeah, that's late at night. So yeah. t- after t- I'm done, I'm quite ready for bed, but I just, I, it was my t- PhD training. Yeah. So I worked full time, but I was also doing the only time I had to do it was from ten till two, mm. and I, now I wouldn't, I could do ten to two, but I try to do ten till twelve, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think there's definitely something in it. It was um, a, a trend I read about as well, another Silicon Valley trend about polyphasic sleeping, which oh, kind of mi- mimics like what like Tesla did and Mozart, all the great geniuses. Apparently, only slept for very short condensed periods so that they'd get in that REM very, very quickly and then they'd come out of it, do their creative work and then again, it's like napping throughout the and day. I, okay, I'm so in awe of people who can do that. I'm not a power napper. Now, if I take a nap for two hours, I'm one of those that can actually, without even a clock, s- go to sleep, wake up two hours and I am revved. Mm. I will give it that. But I'm I'm not a, a intermittent napper. I no, yeah. it's hard. I mean, I, hard. I I kind of was doing it inadvertently because of the breastfeeding thing yeah. and having to get up in the night because my baby doesn't have a circadian rhythm and right. all of that. But yeah, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. But obviously it's working for them or worked for them. And bless their hearts. You know, you got, <laughs> I'm going to be in awe of them and just stick with my exactly. You hope I can get seven. You. I mean, I'm aiming for, I love eight. I'm Seven, I'm happy. Six is probably. Six punchy. Yeah. A bit punchy. Um, so let's talk about spinning. I love you are a big spinner. Tell, spinning. So this is obviously how Sharon you met in yes. the first place. So tell me about your spinning ritual and and what gets you those endorphins flowing. So I I used to run and then hurt my Achilles and but was always spinning and so I, I just had to change my endorphin where where I got my endorphin rush. But I've always loved spinning because I could control it. And even with an injury, I could still manage it. And so even when spinning just came out with Johnny G, this whole new... I had a video, VHS of him, and I rode on my bike, but I've always had one. Um, it's it's my happy place. Mm. It, it just, it's, it's, where, it's what I do to get that endorphin rush. I will get on a... Um, what's the, the climbing stuff and the... What are those... Versus, oh, you know what I'm saying. Oh, what the sit down one? The no, 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 the, the, no, the running machines. Oh, and these, uh, the cross trainer. Yeah, the cross trainer. Yeah, yeah. The elliptical. Yeah. <laughs> the elliptical. <laughs> I mean, I love those, and I will do that before maybe a weights workout. But spinning is what is my buzz. I am, is that because of the music or the instructor or a combination? The combination. Mm. I'm I'm a social workout animal, so. I can absolutely work out by myself on a spin bike. I've done it many, I do it all the time. And that's fine for me. And it's, it is a nice creative time, but I am blaring music. Mm. So it, for me, it's a very music, lose myself in my body. It's not my thinking time. It's my body time. Yeah. You can and get out of your head into your body. Exactly. And yeah. socially, I, it, it is always that with Shara and that yeah. group. Um, I love my spin group. But I enjoy both. I grew up both outside and inside a gym. 
So I'm very happy in a class situation. I taught aerobics for years that I don't even want to talk That's about. That's amazing. You have to touch on that a little bit. I was sponsored by Nike. Wow. In, in the days of aerobic exercise. Yeah, that's how old I am. A multi-hustler. It was, it was fun. God, it was fun. I, I had more shin splints because we were doing aerobics on cement floors, you know, because we didn't know better. Yeah. Um, and the shoes weren't as good as they are now. But I've always loved my endorphin rush. Yeah. Spinning now helps me. I also, though, really, really like um, I have to have my weight workout. Mm. Because that is what changes my body. That is what does it. Spinning gets, gives me my high. Your little rush. Oh, yeah. my rush. And I, and I, I feel good because, yes, car, I grew up in the age where you cardiovascular was how you thought you lost weight. Mm. In actuality, my body craves weights. Yeah. And it it, it absolutely loves it and, and responds well to that. Mm. So I work out at least a couple times a week with free weights. Yeah. The thing about endorphins, though, like with anything, is like obviously too much of anything. is It's a bad thing, right? Because endorphins yeah. are just masking pain. So exactly. have you ever had injuries from oh, overtraining too hard? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. I used to, I love what I used to love is when you do group runs or group classes, you all start or group, when I was teaching a class, you all started. It's kind of like the way you start. How are you doing? Oh, well, you know, my my back's a little hurt today. Yeah. And, oh, my knee's a little wonky. You know, you, you put it out there like, OK, I can't be at my top mm. because I've got injuries. But in fact, you, you're fine. And you yeah. You you do it anyway. Um, I cannot push myself now more than four times a week mm. because when I work out, I work out hard. I'm not messing around. I'm not doing it for giggles. I'm I'm working out hard, and I still like to keep it that level. But I have learned my body loves four times a week. You start to do that fifth and sixth day, I will hurt myself. I can do it sometimes because mm. it's an extra class or somebody, but consistently, mm. my body doesn't like it always injures itself. Now, the funny thing is it's given me permission to get that time back. Mm. I do my four workouts and I let it go. I know they're going to happen. And now I can do other things. I can see girlfriends. I can see other friends for dinner. I can do other things. It used to obsess me, my Southern California training. Mm -hmm. It used to obsess me that I had to know when I was working out, what I was doing. All of us, our friend group, we spoke in this funny way. We'd go, so what are you doing today? Which meant, what was your workout? Mm. Well, I'm going to run later in the afternoon. Okay, so we'll get sushi after. Done. Mm. Well, I'm taking a class in the morning. Like you always started with what was the workout and then life could go around that. Mm. I'm so happy to be older now. It's like, no, I fit my workouts in four to five max and I'm good. Mm. It's also not as fashionable to be like caning it all the time. Right? I hope not. I, yeah. I don't think I care about fashionable anymore. Well, no. All, I'm so the, not that one. The kind of the tr the trend right now. I guess there was a huge trend towards high intensity training. You know, going on the treadmill every day and you know oh, really gotcha. exhausting yourself. What's um, that one that everybody's hurting themselves on now? Or the cross training, uh, CrossFit. Yeah. I am so happy that wasn't around when I was twenty and thirty because that would have been me mm. all over that. Mm. And I still think it's amazing, and I love that intensity. I just know me. But people take it to the extreme. So and okay, it I would have done that. Yeah. It's my, I would have done that. Yeah. So going back to you advising people. So mm -hmm. what advice can you give us um, for, you know, balancing our careers with our home lives? Like what are the most fundamental things that we can kind of put in place? Oh, fundamental things to put in place. I, being clear what your priorities are. Yeah. I think that's just, I'm always going to say, because then again, that's clarity and focus. Because mm -hmm. then you can let it go and just really know you've got the main things and then add to the rest of it. You're, yeah. All those other balls never go away. They just, you just then f make sure they fit in so you feel okay. Yeah. Um, 
That, that thing you said about, I guess it wasn't the pie analogy, but the three the three things yeah. that you can really focus on. That's, that's my that's thing. That, that's yeah. the priorities thing. Yeah. I think that's critical. I think it's funny. I'm going to say what I balance. I, again, I'm going to do clarity and focus now. That's the personal thing. Like, what are your three things, your priorities? Then at work, again, what is it you're – I am always making sure my people and my organizations are focused on what we're trying to achieve because mm. I don't have time to waste. I mean, I'm come on. We've got things to do. So yeah. if we're crystal clear of what we're aiming at – then we just go for it and go do that. And I think it's important. And that sounds simple, but it's not. Because what happens is we start looking at other things and priorities get lost or we start doing busy work. Mm. And I mean, probably high level busy work, but busy work nonetheless. Are mm. we in fact doing only those things that are going to get us to achieve the outcomes we have all agreed are the outcomes we're trying to achieve? Mm. So that it's as simple as that sounds. It's a constant job for me. I'm constantly reminding everybody, are we doing it the right way? Are we, in fact, heading towards the right direction? Are we, in fact, going to achieve what we hope to? Mm. And that's a constant thing. So I'm, I, I mostly work with people, um, especially organizations, on that. Yeah. So if they come up with a business plan or a strategy, that's great. Yeah. But are we aligned? Are we going to make sure we're doing the right things to get there? And do we have the right people, et cetera? Mm. And are we doing the right leadership? Are we having the right culture? All those kind of things, ways of working. Mm. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, there's so many things I do with different people that just basically focus on their clarity and focus again. I know that sounds boring, but um, the balancing of the disruption and discipline because mm. it's constantly that. But also... To me, in my work with people is finding where they are powerful mm. because you always – you're best at, if you're working from your strengths versus, you know, trying to learn and improve your weaknesses. You always should. You mm -hmm. should be definitely aware of them. But I'm always a believer if you kind of start from your strengths, mm. you're going to be in a better place. Plus, it's more comfortable and it's more enjoyable. Mm. Um, the younger you are, the more I try to say learn skills so that you can supplement those things that you're not as good at as you get older – then it's about surrounding yourself with people who have better skills than you in the places you don't yeah. have good skills. That's something that I've really learned. And and Shara, the, uh, being a duo, we're kind of like two sides of a coin, exactly. or the opposite sides of a coin, rather. You know, we have different skill sets and we kind of like, we balance each other out. Absolutely. Which is fundamental. You do. You yeah. do. I've seen it. Oh, wonderful. Antoinette, thank you for joining me on the Days Podcast. Thank you for having me. It was you. fun.